You are listening to the Coach's Ed Podcast, exclusively on the Rush Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. This is Pablo with Rush Coach Development. Um, today, we have Kylie Clark from Colorado Rush. She's, um, she's here with us. She has a very interesting profile, um, not only as a coach, but she's also a physical therapist. So um, she's going to tell us a little bit about recovery uh, periods and injuries in the sport, what I think it's, um, it's going to be a great learning experience for all of us. So Kylie, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, Pablo. How are you? Very well, very well. Thank you very much for asking. Um, would you like to give us a little bit of um, an introduction about yourself, some background, um, what you're doing right now, etc.? Yeah, for sure. So um, I've been coaching for two years with Colorado Rush now. So just getting more involved with the club, more involved with coaching. And then, like you said, I'm a physical therapist as well on the west side of Denver in Golden, Colorado. Um, and I've been a physical therapist for about four years now. Um, and I've been really fortunate. My clinic, Next Level Sports Performance, is really um, sports medicine based. So we see a lot of you know, athletes from young ones to high school, college to, you know, people who, who are still super active kind of in their later years. So get to see a lot of athletes, a lot of people who really enjoy sport. So very nice. Very nice. And, um, and what about your, your coaching? Who are you coaching now? So I've had a team for several years now that I took over um, from a friend of mine who was coaching them before. So I currently have the Oh, four girls to the team who they would technically be in high school season right now, but with everything going on, right, we're trying to connect and stay involved and make sure that they're at least getting some sort of, you know, soccer related activity or, you know, kind of thinking with the virtual learning center. So just trying to stay involved and connected with them. No, very good. Very good. Um, great. So um, interesting. You, you, you mentioned that. So you were saying that at where you work, you actually, you guys actually deal with a lot of athletes, uh, I mean, I don't know if it's especially in soccer, but that you actually come across a lot of soccer injuries pretty often, correct? Yes. Yeah, we do. I mean, we work with, there's a lot of um, clubs kind of in our area, including Rush. So we see, you know, not only Rush players, but um, players from the other area clubs as well. But yes, not just soccer. We definitely see kind of a wide range of sports, football, basketball, um, lacrosse, hockey, wrestling, uh, a lot of different things. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And if and if we talk about soccer specifically, let me ask you something that I've always been intrigued about. Um, what are the most common injuries that you come across? Well, I feel like, you know, the classic one that we think about for, for soccer, especially for, for girls, is the ACL tear and kind of that whole process of pre to post-surgery and that one that, um, you know, t- tends to take a long time. The other big ones, though, I would say for sure, like your muscular muscular injuries. So whether that's a quad hamstring kind of groin strain, um, ankle sprains are pretty common as well as just your general like knee pain. Um, I would say are the big ones that we see. Interesting. Interesting. And in fact, I think we can highlight, um, two or three things already that you're saying. Uh, one of them is that you, you mentioned, you said, um, we all think about ACLs, especially when it comes to women, which is true. I remember reading once and you, you please tell me if I'm wrong that actually the risk of ACL uh, injuries is higher in women than men. Is that correct? That is correct. Yep. Interesting. Is it, is it, do you know, do you know the reason why is it made, like mostly an anatomical factor or. You know, there's a lot of um, thought processes and kind of theories that go into that, but honestly, Pablo, from like a medical kind of community perspective, we don't have like a, 
a clear-cut answer, but I would say, you know, the couple of different theories, the big ones, like you're saying, are the anatomical, just the differences in the way um, young girls and women's hip, hips are shaped and kind of how that leads to mm-hmm. how their legs um, are, um, kind of the position that they're in. But there's some other things that, you know, that the medical and physical therapy community are considering just in terms of, like, how then girls move differently and how they think differently about movement, um, how their bodies kind of adapt to movement as they grow and as they change. Um, But then there's also, you know, just the other factors of, you know, do we not emphasize certain movement patterns in girls, especially when they're young? So do they learn different movements than boys? Um, And then obviously there's the other kind of um, factor of the menstrual cycle that we think might be, might be a player as well, even if it's a smaller one. So Completely, completely. Um, and, um, you know, I, I remember reading once that um, the most common injuries in, in soccer, um, when it comes to, of course, non-traumatic, right? If somebody comes and kicks you, well, there's not a lot we can do there. But um, And it happens all the time. But from a muscular uh, point of view are actually not only um, ACLs, but also hamstring uh, strains by your experience on the field have you have you found the same results in 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 frequencies at least um I would say yeah like overall I mean ACLs are the highest for sure but yes in your muscular strains you're gonna see um I would say hamstrings and quads are probably the biggest one that we see um for sure and yes you're right hamstrings tend to happen not within any sort of context It, it contact it's usually a change in um, speed where you get it right. So you're going to accelerate to chase after a ball or to defend whatever it is. That's usually when you're going to get that hamstring strain. Completely. Do, do you have an, a, an opinion form on, on why this, this might be the most common injuries? You know, that's a good question. Um, honestly, no, I think it's one of those things where if we looked at um, what players are doing to train specifically, I would say sometimes, especially in our younger players or as they're kind of growing into maybe adolescent, you know, going from, you know, your U12, U13 up to early high school. I don't know that we're doing the best job just overall with training and making sure that their bodies are prepared for that, um, especially as they're growing. And so I think a lot of times when the body isn't prepared to handle that sort of stress is when we see those sorts of injuries. So I think honestly, a lot of times it may just come down to training and what we maybe are, aren't doing. So yeah, I think so too. I think so too. I don't. I don't know if I have scientific evidence for it, but um, the the most uh, frequent opinions, at least that I get from um, specialists, are two. One one that that it's uh, um, how do you say it? more related to the dynamic of the sport. The the sport in the last 20, 30 years has um, increased its. Um, explosiveness i say you know it's it's become faster in shorter distances than it used to be and um, that probably that probably is a little bit more prone to generating this type of of injuries and the second one that i heard a lot um and and it sounds interesting to me at least and i would like to hear your opinion is um it's about muscular imbalances Uh, a lot of people consider that we when we train our athletes we don't really sometimes we we create overloads on certain muscles and we don't really compensate them on the antagonist and yeah neutralizers yeah absolutely so I would say like you know when I get um our young athletes especially soccer players but really any young athlete into our clinic 
the, one of the most common things that we see is that their hips, so like, and their core, right? So abs and then kind of your, your butt or glute muscles, as we call them, aren't very strong because that's just not something that most people know how to train very specifically. And so mm-hmm. one of the thought processes is like that should be kind of your area of really good stability and power. And so when you don't have that kind of factor in those areas that then other areas of your body have to compensate, right? So if we're saying, okay, the hips and core aren't as strong as we'd like them to be. And now you're asking that athlete to do, like you're saying that really demanding kind of high intensity activity that can, that can, we think lead to other issues, right? So it's like, you're saying, it's making sure that the muscles and the areas of the body that we think need to have the most stability, the most power, um, and need to be able to take that force sometimes don't. And so that can create overload in other areas where it's not meant to be sort of thing. So completely. No, no, completely, completely. That makes sense to me. Now, um, just digging a little bit further in this topic, um, I, th- I think you know, I think one of the uh, the periods that um, as coaches, and I'm not blaming us for, you know, as coaches for this, but I think it's pretty normal. Is um, um, I think many of us hesitate or or struggle when it comes to recovery processes, right? It's like the 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 fact that my player was injured, and I get to make, I want to make sure that he's ready to coach to go back on the field um what opinion what what are the guidelines or opinions that you would um share with coaches when when it comes to to this period yeah i think overall right like the we have to take kind of the long view of the athlete meaning we have to think about kind of the overall longevity of their career and so i think having that long view and making sure that we know like, yeah, it's important that I get my player back because they're obviously vital to my team, but making sure that we're having a good view of like, how is this going to affect the athlete down the road? And so I think with that, right, the biggest thing that we talk about in PT in terms of general guidelines is no matter what your injury is, and obviously everything's different and every individual is going to have a different recovery process. So there's got to be a lot of good communication, but overall, the guidelines, no matter what it is, is going to be a gradual return to play, right? So that's how I talk uh-huh. to my players and I, or, and to my patients, right? And I have an advantage of knowing the game and knowing kind of how to create that gradual return. But I think really the coaches need to understand that when I, as a physical therapist, give athletes instructions on how to start integrating themselves back into practice or back into gameplay, it's going to be very gradual. And so I think that's where a lot of times coaches may not have the understanding of like the players saying, Oh, my PT told me I could play. But normally what I'm saying is, okay, we're going to start you off with, you know, 15 minutes and a half and see how you do. But the, but the coach may not understand or may not have that good communication with the player or parent to say, okay, well, your PT said you're good to play. So I'm just going to throw you back in sort of thing. And really it's kind of what we've already alluded to a little bit is that gradual kind of overload process right so making sure that whatever tissue whatever you know body part was affected is gradually reintroduced to the stress of the game to making sure that that tissue and that body part can handle it right so biggest thing is that gradual return to play and making sure with each step and with each kind of discussion between the player and the PT or whatever other medical professional they're working with is to make sure that we all understand kind of what stress is appropriate, what kind of um, play or participation is appropriate given their kind of timeline of rehab. So. Now that's a good tip. Huh? That's a good tip besides because it applies to, to every injury. Um, you know, just remember as a coach that, that, you know the 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 gra- gradual component. That's that's a that's a good one. Now, if 
if we talk just to, you know just to give a frame um to common scenarios that coaches might find um what are for instance like the re- the recovery process and the recovery period in average at least for an injury like acls right like an mm-hmm. injury that it's pretty severe that in surgery uh what would you recommend in that case um i mean and again like this is where you know as a pt like um making sure that um right now i'm giving general guidelines because obviously every player is different making sure that you're speaking actual medical professional you're working with but in general right the the research is showing that um the longer we can go with an acl rehab beyond eight months so beyond that eight month mark the longer you go before you return to play beyond that mark the better your recovery is where we used to say okay we're going to try and return you as quick as we can and we're going to try and get you back at that six month mark we are seeing a really really high rate of re-injury and so now we're showing okay even if we can back it up from that six month and make it eight months that even helps but eight months and beyond is really kind of um, a good guideline in terms of what your recovery should look like. And so again, like for players and parents and coaches, that's a really long time. And we know that, and we know it's hard, but having that mindset of if I can get myself to eight months or beyond, that's really going to help reduce my risk of re-injury. Interesting. That's interesting. Cause it's true. It's like normally, I don't know. I don't know who said those standards, but I, I think the, the overall, um, how can we say it? Um, belief for coaches is that that it's a six months injury you're actually saying that it's much better to do eight yes absolutely it's a huge difference absolutely yeah, yeah. there's that there's a lot of research out there just that shows that in general as you get past that eight month mark the rates of re-injury um, are reduced and then of course we run into the issue of what if I have an athlete what if I have a player on my team who's now on their second ACL on the same side, right? So once we get to that second ACL, which unfortunately does happen a lot, um, now we're trying to say, okay, can we even push that further back? And can we say now we're trying to really push for more of like a 10 to 12 month? So I think the an overall, right, this just goes back to good um, communication between the coach and the parent and the player, as well as some sort of communication with their medical professional as well, because there's a, a similar kind of, thought process with that gradual return to play, especially when we're talking about getting back into contact um, for that player who's recovering from that ACL injury. Um, So yeah, really just depends on that athlete specifically, but the more severe the injury, um, you know, if they're on their second one, that's just going to take even longer. So. Interesting. That's a double, that's another good tip. At least you, you have an expectation as a, as a coach, if it's the second time, because it is true, I have many, I've had many, many teammates in, in my life that broke their, their ACLs on the same leg twice. So you would say it's, it's an even longer process. You, you, you would have to expect about 10 to 12 months to recover. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wow. Poor kid. Have you broken your ACLs? Yeah. So I actually, I'm a- me too. I'm fortunate, yeah, I'm fortunate <laughs> that uh, I've only done it once, but yeah, I was a junior in college when I tore mine. So yeah, it's no fun, not at all. No, it is not. No. <laughs> well, maybe was that? Hold on, were you studying physical therapy already, or that that triggered the passion for for the um, career? You know, actually, it was interesting. I so I was a junior in college, and um, I was an exercise science major because. Um, physical therapy is a graduate degree but I had already pretty much decided that that was the route I was going to go so 
it was just interesting because at that time when I was a, it was my spring semester of junior year, it was that summer that I would have started applying, would have started applying to PT schools anyways. And so that summer I basically spent doing two things, doing my ACL rehab and applying to PT schools. So as unfortunate as it was, it was kind of this silver lining of now I really got to experience you know, what a really big rehab was like, because I had had other injuries before. But you know, this was the first like major surgery injury that I had had. So, you know, unfortunate timing, but overall, I think it was a good experience for long term. So exactly, exactly. Anyway, um, Kylie, by the end, um, I always like giving the the guest that to start with, thank you very much for the time and to to speak to us and, and, and actually help us through this process. Um, I always like to give a minute or two or, or as many as you need, um, for you to share whatever, whatever you would like to share to other coaches that you think, uh, it's, it's, it's valuable learning. So please. Yeah, absolutely. And first of all, thank you so much for having me on. Um, I really appreciate it for sure. Um, yeah, I would just say, like I said, the biggest thing for me, I kind of have that dual view of, I'm both a, a PT and a coach, right? So I kind of have a different perspective, um, when it comes to, how I treat injuries, especially regarding like my girls specifically. Um, But like I said, I think overall, the biggest kind of lesson or biggest kind of perspective that I would encourage coaches to have is just taking that long view of the athlete, right? Like I know in the moment, in the season, you're trying to do everything you can to make your team successful, but just making sure you're really having that, that long-term picture of, you know, I may have a 15 or 16 year old athlete here, but what if, what is this going to look like for them long-term if we don't kind of take care of this injury correctly? And so I think that's, I would say the biggest thing that I would encourage coaches is just really, really kind of take that longer term view of your athletes. They're not just with you for one season. They might have an athletic career that extends beyond you and even just for lifelong, you know, activity and health, right? Like making sure that they're able to do the stuff they want to do um, well into adulthood. So no, no, 100%. Wise words. Um, and I fully agree with you. It's, uh, it's the heat of the moment. We want the player back, but this, you know, bad recovery can have lifelong, um, if, how do you say it? Like lifelong um, problems or consequences. So it's, it's better to be smart. By them. Right. Exactly. 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 Kylie, um, thank you very much for, for taking the time to, to talk to all of us. Huh? It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Pablo. Thank, 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 thanks for listening to Coach's Education exclusively on the Rush Pop Podcast Network.